The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. One sentence summary. The Lean Startup offers both entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs a semi-scientific, real-world approach to building a business by using validation, finding a profitable business model and creating a growth engine. My favorite quote from the author is, the only way to win is to learn faster than anyone else. Eric Ries. I remember the first time I heard about Eric Ries. It was my statistics class in college in the US where I studied abroad at UMass Dartmouth for two semesters. My then classmate and now good friend T said he was reading his book and not sure whether he liked it. Isn't it funny how prejudiced we are? Just from hearing doubts about someone I had no clue about, some switch in my brain flipped and I never picked up the book. When I got my Blinkist subscription, it was one of the first books I threw in my library. No harm in reading a summary for free, right? Yet again, it ended up last of the pack and I never read it. Until now. I'm really sorry, Mr. Reese. It took me a while, but here's what I learned. 1. Find a business model that works through validation. 2. Use split testing to tell value from waste. 3. Never indulge in vanity metrics. Ready to start a business? I hope you are, because here we go. The Lean Startup Lesson 1. Find a solid business model by validating your idea. This answers the question, how can I find a business model for my business if I'm not sure if I'll get paid? One word is mentioned again and again throughout the summary, and it actually represents the whole book quite well. Semi-scientific. It stuck with me and perfectly fits this lesson as well. Always validate your shit. Alright, I might be paraphrasing here, but the gist of it is that in order to find a sustainable business model, for example the one you can roll with for at least 5 years, you have to, like a scientist, create a hypothesis. For example, Amazon's hypothesis was that people would buy books online, while Zappos thought people would do the same with shoes. Now that was the easy part. And this is usually where scientists start building huge theories, researching, calling colleagues and a whole bunch of other things which won't get them closer to finding out if the hypothesis is valid. That's why you have to be only semi-scientific, because now you just throw your hypothesis out into the real world. What does that look like? For Amazon it was a rudimentary website, and for Zappos the founder just set up a website with shoe pictures and let people buy. Once they bought, he went to a shoe store, got the actual shoes, and shipped them. Noah Kagan from AppSumo also used a ghetto website where people should just PayPal him $60 to get started. The important part is to get people to pay as early as possible, because when people say great idea or I would buy that, that doesn't put a cent in your pocket. So get out there and instead of calling friends, researching and getting feedback, find people and ask them to buy. The Lean Startup Lesson 2. Tell value from waste with split testing. This answers the question, how can I find out which features of my products my customers like the most? Another semi-scientific approach to then developing your product is split testing. Nowadays often called A-B testing, this means you create two versions of your product. Show both of them to the same amount of people and in this way figure out which one people like more. This allows you to tell the difference between features your customers value and those they don't want or need. Imagine how hard this was a few years ago, where the only way to do this was to create physically different products. 
For example, if Domino's wanted to change the design of their pizza boxes, they would have had to create two different designs, use them to ship pizzas to 1000 customers, and then ask each customer group for feedback on the box. What a nightmare! Now, in the world of the interwebs, they could just come up with two designs in Photoshop and hold a poll on their Facebook page and would instantly get hundreds of thousands of answers. Today, you can split test any part of a website for free, for example with Optimizely. So before you add, drop or change features of your products, learn what the customers want and need. The Lean Startup Lesson 3 Never indulge in vanity metrics. This answers the question, which kinds of metrics are unnecessary when running a business? The data you get from split testing is valuable. The number of your Facebook likes isn't. It's a vanity metric and you must never ever indulge in those. Getting lots of page views is great. So is being covered in the press and having lots of followers on Twitter. But none of those pay the bills. The only metrics you should measure your success with are the ones who tell you if you're profitable or not. Do users recommend you? How many? Does the rate of recommendations go up or down? Are existing customers coming back to buy more? Is the cost of your Facebook ads lower than your customer lifetime value? These are the kinds of metrics you should look at, because they make or break your business. Just because Jimmy in high school felt super cool when he was the first to get 1000 Facebook friends, that doesn't make him any more of a success in life. Facing the truth means facing the right metrics. So get on with the flattery and focus on numbers that matter. My personal takeaways from the Lean Startup for 2017. Okay, a couple of add-ons and disclaimers here to put this into context. In general, I love this book very much. I love the premise of it very much. It's been the, the some of these theses have been central to how I run 4-minute books and how I approach business in general. I think it's a super great concept, the lean startup methodology. And that said, it needs a, it needs some context. So, first of all, semi-scientific, I think that's the main takeaway, right? So act like a scientist and take take the part of a scientist where you make a hypothesis, you test that hypothesis against data, and then if the data doesn't support your hypothesis, you abandon it and build a new one. That's like the science part. But semi-scientific, because as, as I read out in the summary, you don't want to be the kind of scientist that builds a theory for 25 years, and then another scientist comes along and says, whoops, I debunked it, that's all wrong. So get out of your ivory tower and into the real world and get feedback for your stuff. So a couple add-ons to the individual lessons. First, validation. Super, super, super important. Um, I have validated products that have tanked, several actually, where they like courses and things like that. Nobody bought it. So I knew, okay, um, I had another product idea before the four-minute folio, which was called the four-minute leap year. And what that would have been would have been a daily email with one lesson from from one book, right? So just one lesson so to make it really focused. And that turned into three actionable steps. Um, nobody bought it, right? Maybe the price was too high. Maybe the the value wasn't there. Maybe it was too close to the summaries. I don't know what it was, but people didn't buy it. So I didn't make it. And then I came up with the next idea, and that was the four-minute folio. And then I pre-sold that one, and that one did really well. And it was validated. I set a threshold. I said, if I sell 20 slots at, I think it was $25, um, I'm going to make this. And I did sell those and a couple more. And so here we are, right? So super important. However, <clears throat> if you're building a startup, and I mean a startup in the true sense that you're building something that the world doesn't really know it needs yet. 
um, and you will need funding and growth to, to get that idea out into the world before you can find a business model because you don't know what kind of business models exist for that kind of arena you're building or new industry you're, you're setting up. Um, in that case, you can't validate, right? So PayPal, PayPal could never have validated its idea because the, like, the idea itself had to stick with people first. So this was something like they knew would happen eventually and they decided that they were going to be the ones who brought that change into the world, but they knew it was going to be a struggle and it did and it, and it was and it paid off tremendously because they sold to eBay for 1.6 billion or 1.1, I don't remember actually. Um, but in the end, there's no validation for a model like that, right? So if PayPal had said, oh, we want to be profitable from day one, that would never have worked. That's, that said, very, very few ideas are startup ideas like that. Chances are yours aren't, uh, chances are you just want to build a business and for that validation is absolute key. Uh, a caveat about split testing and A-B testing. Now, um, A-B testing is very popular online, but you can, of course, put this uh, use this for the wrong stuff, right? So what Eric Ries is talking about is A-B testing for product features, right, which are crucial. So if I say on the four-minute folio, how would you like me to shorten the duration of the summaries, right? Like that would be a key feature change. That would, would be something worth A-B testing. However, if I optimize the headlines on my articles or summaries for, so that they get the max click-throughs, so that then they get the max page views and so on, that will be a vanity metric. So that would not be important to A-B test. So be careful with what you A-B test because a lot of people test a lot of stuff which doesn't actually need to be tested because it's not that important. Um, second part about A-B testing, I would say make sure you have at least a thousand people online for anything you want to A-B test, so for, for each group. So if I wanted to test an article headline, I would uh, do that with at least 1,000 people each. So 2,000 people to the test, otherwise there, there's no statistical significance. I find it's very hard to draw statistically valid conclusions from samples of less than, I don't know, let's say a thousand people. Um, so if you have a hundred people visiting your blog um, each month or so, don't do A-B testing. That's a waste of time. And lastly, the vanity metrics. I touched on this a little bit in this uh, in the A-B testing section, but um, it's very tempting to look at these. It's very tempting to look at these a lot um, because you have so many tools available to you. What I do, for example, with four minute books, I only check my numbers on Saturdays. Um, so, for example, on Medium, I notice it because I publish a lot more on Medium. I naturally check the stats more often, and I don't think I don't feel it's valuable. So, this is something I need to get rid of. But for four-minute books and all my other sites, Google Analytics, Google Webmaster Tools, um, my sales from my Blinkist affiliate stuff, my sales from the four-minute folio, all these numbers, I check them once a week, um, and then decide if there's something I need to do about them. Right, so I don't get lost in stuff like page views or likes or upvotes or things of that nature, um, and get my head wrapped up all around that, because it doesn't really matter. Um, right, I'm just doing stuff, doing stuff to keep growing, keep moving forward, but I can never predict how an individual article or piece works. Um, so it helps to collect the data for a while, then make an inflection point, look at it, see if you can do something about it, what you can do next. Um, but never, never worry about things like, yeah, likes or followers or whatever. 
All right, so I hope that gave some uh, some helpful context to the Lean Startup. Again, love the methodology. Hope you'll use it when you build your own business. Hope you will build your own business at some point. Um, and see you on the next summary.